Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast from the First Christian Church in Great Bend, Kansas. We are a church with a mission of inspiring ordinary people to live extraordinary lives for Christ. It really doesn't matter who you are, what you have done, or how you choose to worship. You belong here. We pray that this week's sermon blesses you and that you feel God's presence through it today. So today we are in week four of our sermon series called Facing Fear, where what we're doing is getting into some of what the Bible has to teach us about listening to facing and ultimately overcoming all those fears that are keeping us from becoming the people that God has created us to be, you know, living into the life that is truly life. And now that we spent the last three weeks learning about the gift of fear, uh, the Jesus paradigm for facing our own fears, and then what fear could end up costing us if we allow it. Today, what we're going to be getting into is the necessity of asking others for help. But to get into this particular topic, what we need to address first is why for a whole lot of us, asking for help is so dang hard. Or how many of you, if you get really honest with yourself, have a hard time asking for help? Anybody? Yeah, for the rest of you, you're liars, right? Let's just be honest about it. Okay, so, so really, really simply put, because this is actually a pretty complex topic, one of the main reasons for why most of us have a hard time asking others for help, even if we might be drowning in the moment, is because we live in a culture that is based on the idea of rugged individualism. And what rugged individualism is in a nutshell is that as individuals, we really believe we have everything that we need to do what we need to do or face what we need to face, or we really do believe we don't need anybody else's help. In fact, this idea is so baked into our culture or the way we think about almost everything. Not only do we believe we really don't need help, but it's also the case that asking for help, regardless of the situation, is oftentimes seen as a kind of weakness. And so instead of asking others for help, even if we're in over our heads, we we just go along trying to figure it out by ourselves, no matter what it might cost us in the long run. Or... To give you an example of this way of thinking playing out in everyday life, gentlemen, I want you to think about that one time that something broke in your house. And then how? Because you actually believed that you had everything that you needed to fix it, even though you had no experience nor the tools. Instead of calling someone who knows what they are doing, you know, asking someone for help, you attempted to fix it all by yourself. Gentlemen, anybody know what I'm talking about? Maybe I should answer, or maybe I should ask it in this way. Ladies, how many of you might know someone who lives in your house that has this problem? Yeah, so there's the truth. There's the truth right there. Well, again, the the reason why many of us have a problem asking others for help is because we live in a culture dominated by the assumption of rugged individualism, or that we just don't need help. But what I'd like to point out to you is that even though there's a lot about this idea of rugged individualism I do like, in that sometimes when we're up against it, we need to suck it up, buttercup, and just get it figured out with what we've got. There's a time and place in the world for that. It's also the case in a bigger sense that rugged individualism is just not true. And that when we actually take a step back and look at our lives in a big picture kind of way, what we'll discover very, very quickly is that who we are And what we have accomplished is never something we have done all by ourselves, but happened because certain people at certain points showed up and gave us the help that we needed. 
or the truth is about how our lives actually work is in large part based not just on what we've done. Now, it's important. What you do is important. Don't hear me not saying that. But on all those people whom we had to rely on to get to where we are. Or how many of you, when you think back in your mind's eye, just all of a sudden people start popping up. There's moments that just start popping up as you begin to see that you wouldn't be where you are today without those moments of help. Now, the saying that gets at this logic, which you guys have all heard before about how lives really work, is no man is an island. No man is an island. Or there really is no such thing as an individual who has the ability to do all they need to do and face all they need to face without some kind of work. That's how the world works. In fact, that's the way we're designed, right? When you think about the metaphor of the body of Christ, we weren't designed to all be one thing. We were designed to work together, to function together, to ask one another for help. Okay, so now that you're starting to see that, what I now want to show you is how asking for help is not a bad thing or something you should feel ashamed of, but it's actually one of the most important things we all have to learn to do to face and overcome our fears. And to show, this, show you this, I give you a picture um, that hopefully will stick in your brain of walking you through the story of Peter walking, walking on the water. So, this event happens right after Jesus spends the evening uh, doing some teaching around the Sea of Galilee, which he, he does all the time, and then he does this. Immediately, he made his disciples get into a boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. But what happens after all of that is Jesus seems to be waiting for the disciples to come back and pick him up from out of nowhere a storm hit, which, by the way, is normal around the Sea of Galilee. And what that means is the disciples are not able to get back to shore to pick him up. And so what Jesus does in response is he takes matters into his own hands and he does the unthinkable. And early in the morning, he came walking towards them on the sea. Right? How crazy is that? Like, oh, they can't get to me. I'm just going to walk out here on water. I mean, just absolutely mind-blowing. Now, of course, because most of us have heard this story, what, a thousand times before, we, we usually just read this story and move on like it's no big deal. But that's not how the disciples respond to this. No, the way they respond is the way we would have reacted if we would have seen something as crazy as one of our friends walking on water towards us. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. Or contrary to popular belief, at least at first, this was not a warm and fuzzy kumbaya moment, which is what we think of in our brains, but something that is so terrifying that it caused these men to cry out in fear. How many of you have ever been so afraid that it caused you to scream? Well, this is what the disciples felt before Jesus does this. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And yet, if that's not enough, as we keep reading, the story gets even more unbelievable than Jesus walking on water because then Peter does this. Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Yeah, for some crazy reason, we'll never understand. Peter asked Jesus for permission to join him on the water. And guess what happens? Jesus then responds, come on. Come on, Peter, get out of the boat. Join me on the water. So Peter got out of the boat started walking on the water, and came towards Jesus. So now, not only do we find Jesus, the Son of God, out there walking on water, which makes a lot of sense given He is God, 
But now we also find that Peter, a normal human being like you and I, getting out of the boat and walking on water as well, at least for a couple of steps, which is absolutely mind-blowing. How is that even possible? But then, as most of you know, what happens next is that as Peter is actually out there walking on water towards Jesus, we need to give Peter credit for getting out of the boat, right? Oftentimes we, um, you know, critique Peter because he begins to sink, but he got out of the boat. He's doing this thing, which is absolutely amazing. But as the the reality of what he is doing begins to sink in or, or the fear of what could happen to him starts to overwhelm him, the result is, is he begins to sink. But here's the part of the story that I really want you to pay attention to. You see, what Peter does in that desperate place or that that place where fear has come in and taken over his life is instead of trying to get himself out of the situation all by himself, you know, doing the rugged individualist type of thing. He does the one thing we all have to do when facing our fears. He cries out to Jesus for help. Lord, save me. Lord, save me. And of course, what Jesus does as Peter cries out for help is immediately he reaches out his hand, lifts him up out of the water, and walks him back to the safety of the boat. Now, what I I believe all of that makes very clear for us today is the first thing we have to do when we find ourselves facing fearful situations, especially big, hairy, fearful situations, is instead of taking on this attitude of rugged individualism or or allowing our pride to come in and thinking that we actually can do it by ourselves, like Peter, we need to get really, really good at crying out right where we are. Lord, save us. Lord, save us. God, I am in over my head. I need you to show up and help me. I can't do this myself. And of course, like Jesus did with Peter sometimes in that moment when we call out, God shows up in miraculous ways and saves us. Or God shows up in that moment and begins to make things happen, which is amazing. But what I also want you to get is the other way God seems to show up in our lives when we begin to cry out in this way is he shows up through his hands and feet. Or he shows up through other people. Or to put this into perspective, I share with you a modern day parable most of you know But it's so important that I share it with you again because of what it has to teach us about how God works in our lives, and we oftentimes miss it. So the parable begins. A storm descends on a small town, and the downpour soon soon turns into a flood. As the water rises, the local preacher kneels in prayer on the church porch, surrounded by water. As luck would have it, one of the town folk come up on the street in a canoe, and he says, Better get in, preacher. The waters are rising fast. No, said the preacher. I have faith in the Lord. He's going to save me. Yet still the waters rise. Now the preacher is up on the balcony, wringing his hands in supplication when another guy zips by in a motorboat. Come on, preacher. We got to get you out of here. The levee's going to break any minute. But once again, the preacher, he's unmoved. I shall remain. The Lord will see me through. After a while, the levee breaks and the flood rushes over the church until only the steeple remains above the water. Now the preacher is up there clinging to the cross. When a helicopter descends out of the clouds and a state trooper calls down to him through a megaphone, Grab the ladder, preacher. This is your last chance. (laughs) Once again, the, the preacher insists, The Lord will deliver me. And yet, predictably, he drowns. 
Now, a pious man, the preacher, then goes to heaven, and after a while, he gets an interview with God. And of course, what he's going to ask God the first time he sees him is, Lord, I had unwavering faith in you. Why didn't you deliver me from that flood? God shakes his head. What do you want from me? I sent you two boats and a helicopter. Now, what I want you to get from this story is that the way God went about answering the preacher's prayer was not by showing up in miraculous ways. No, the way God answered this man's prayer was by sending two boats and a helicopter or showing up through his hands and feet through other people. Or to make this logic practical, as a father, when I find myself being overwhelmed by the fear of ruining my children, because let's be honest, I do not and still, or excuse me, I didn't and still don't know what I'm doing. Any parents know what I'm talking about here? Right? Children think we've got it all together, but that's not the truth, right? We're doing the best we can with what we got. So most of the time, the way God answers my cries of desperation in that place is not miraculously, although that's happened too, but by simply nudging me to call my mom. And guess what happens every single time I call my mom? Well, given she spent most of her life devoted to raising three ornery, mischievous boys, she's seen some things. So it didn't matter what I was facing, whether that be how to deal with a sick kid or what to do now that my precious little one has turned into a teenager. Come on now. <laughs> if I would just listen to God and ask my mom for help without fail, she would always show up and give me what I needed to face and overcome those fears. Or to push this idea even further, given that it's Mother's Day and by church law, I am required to talk about mothers at some point in my sermon. <laughs> if you have a good mother, I would suggest that anytime you find yourself being trapped by your fears, you need to pick up the phone and call that amazing woman who loves you more than life itself. Because whether you're aware of it or not, whether you like it or not, she is one of the main ways that God has been at work in your life since the moment you were born. Which means, oftentimes, what your answer to prayer looks like, what God's hands and feet look like showing up in your life, is like your mom. Another example that comes to my mind is when it comes to, to being the pastor of this church and, and all the fear that goes along with that in this day and age. And, and believe you me, it's not easy. Uh, if you look at the statistics, it says like one in 10 ministers are now making it to retirement. So I'm just happy to still be here, right? One of the main ways that God continues to answer my prayers of desperation, which I am praying all the time, is he has put five other pastor friends in my life who not only know and care for me, but who show up with bells on when I ask for help. And sometimes they know me so well that even when I'm not willing to ask for help, they show up anyway. And the truth is, without the help of these men, not only would I probably not be the pastor that I am today, but without these friends, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't even be in ministry at this point. And the same is true for some of them as well. Okay, so, so now that you're starting to get your minds wrapped around all of that, what I hope you're starting to see very, very clearly is that if we want to live into the life that is truly life or the extraordinary life that God created us for, then in the face of fear that we are going to continue to encounter over and over again in life because that's how life works, the fear is never going to go away. Like Peter, we need to get really, really good at asking God and even others for help. Because the truth is, if we don't learn how to do that well, 
then we're going to find ourselves trapped in a whole lot of situations and problems and fears that could have all been avoided if we would have just learned how to do this. Hey, can I get some help? Can I get some help? Or to, to really help you guys understand the importance of this and to actually see if you can do it yourself, I want you to repeat after me. Can I get some help? So you guys don't get what I'm saying here? Repeat after me. It's a, so that's the interesting thing about this. I did the exact same thing in the two other services. One got it, the other didn't. Uh, you guys must be the hard-headed bunch. <laughs> it's really that hard to ask for help. So everybody say with me. Hey, can I get some help? Hey, God, I really need some help. Here's my favorite one. You guys ready? You don't have to repeat this. It, it works really, really well. So again, what I want you guys to get, you're not supposed to do this life by yourself. You were not designed to work in that way. And the way that you become who God created you to be is you need to get really, really good at saying, hey, God, I can't do this myself. Or hey, can you help me? Let us pray. Father, uh, this is a hard one for many of us, and I think I'm the worst at this. It's really hard to ask for help. It's, it's really hard to let go of this notion that, that we're supposed to do it all or we can do it all. But today, oh Lord, in light of what Scripture teaches, in light of how Peter responded in his moment of desperation, help us to put all that aside and get really, really good at just asking for help. Or may we as a people, every single day when we get out of bed, may the first prayer be, God, I can't do this without you. I need your help. And then when the time comes and we're, we're dealing with someone, Lord, give us the courage and the strength to reach out to those that are around us and just say, help. Our Lord today, teach us not to be the kind of people who think we got it all figured out, who think we don't need anybody's help, but to be the kind of people that realize that we were created for each other. We were created to ask for help. Lord, we pray this all in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon, and we hope you are able to join us next week. To learn more about FCC Great Bend, visit us online at firstchristianchurchgb.com. Again, that's firstchristianchurchgb.com. God bless and have a great week.